Hey guys, thanks for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. We're a Canadian-based podcast that gives leaders and organizations an opportunity to tell their stories and share information. Before we begin today, a quick shout out to our sponsors. Firstly, Harvest Medicine. So if you're curious about medical cannabis, check them out because they're a patient-centric clinic which offers free medical assessments for people just like you looking to explore how medical cannabis can help improve your life. To learn more... You can check them out and book your free consultation with Harvest Medicine by visiting hmed.ca. That's their website. It's hmed.ca, Harvest Medicine. And we're also sponsored by GrowTech Labs. Now, the mission of GrowTech Labs is to bring together a new generation of diverse cannabis sector innovators from across Canada and around the globe. GrowTech Labs is located in Vancouver and helps entrepreneurs develop market-leading products for the recreational and medical cannabis industries by combining access to finance and with delivery of world-class programs rooted in innovation, entrepreneurship, and mentorship. GrowTech Labs intends to expand British Columbia's influence as a global cannabis capital. And hey, if you would like to sponsor Canadian Cannabis Update, reach out to me at cannabisupdate.ca and I will send you a media kit. Just like other industries, the cannabis space poses similar obstacles and challenges for a wide variety of workers. Now, it's probably safe to say that companies in the cannabis space, like other industries, want their workforces to flow without issue. But what happens when there are actual issues concerning the workplace that materialize? Introducing Erin Grattan. Now, she's founded a company called High Values, which offers services in work policy, human resources, and ethics that are specifically targeted at companies operating in this new world of legal cannabis. Erin brings years of experience to an industry that in many cases has very little history on which to draw workplace knowledge and leadership from. So at this point, I'll let Erin tell the rest of her story. I hope you enjoy. We're joined for this podcast by Erin Grattan. She's the founder of a company called High Values, and Erin is a certified human resources leader. How are you, Erin? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing, Michael? I can't complain. It's cold here in Alberta, though. I'll complain about that. Otherwise, I'm great. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I always start off by asking people to tell us who they are, but the rule is it cannot have anything to do with cannabis or, in your case, HR. Who is Erin Grattan? Okay. All right. So, uh, well, I uh, I live downtown Toronto. I've lived there for a couple of years. Prior to that, I lived in Kitchener-Waterloo Kitchener in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, I identify by the pronouns she and her. Okay. And, um, yeah, I guess uh, something I would uh, say that uh, is kind of different is my mother is kind of like a an interesting part of medical history in Toronto. Um, so she was actually born blue with a congenital heart defect, and she was one of the first uh, infants to have open heart surgery at Sick Kids in Toronto. Wow. Um, so she, yeah, it's really, she has a really interesting story. She's, uh, she passed away when I was in my early 20s, mm. um, but uh, she basically survived all odds and defied, you know, like doctor's orders not to have children. She had two. Um, she was just a really strong, hardworking working woman. In and a survivor in many ways. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, she actually, um, you know, not, I know we're not talking about HR, but um, she did really in- inspire me in many ways. Um, later in her life, she had a, a, a severe allergy to chemicals, like a scent sensitivity. And in that time, in like the early 90s, um, or sorry, late 90s, early 2000s, that was like an uncommon invisible illness. 
so um, there was a woman in her office that used to um, pour on the perfume because she thought she was a faker, basically. And um, yeah, like my mom would come home and just be like incredibly ill every night. And she was already sick to begin with. So so yeah, um, my mother was uh, a very interesting person, but um, that's nothing. That's something I never really get to talk about. How my mom, you know, kind of made history in Toronto a little bit. I like it. Well, that and that's the point of the first question. We get to business in a moment, but I, I want people to hear who you are and and sort of uh, yeah. where you come from. What made you who you are? Um, well, now you can talk about your professional background. So professionally, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So I went to school for HR. And uh, my first job out of school was in recruitment. Actually, I was still in school. I started working. Um, I started working and then finishing my studies part time. Mm-hmm. And I worked at a recruitment firm, as many people do in, in my field. Um, but this firm was um, heavily uh, focused on like strong HR um, practices, okay. which was a really neat opportunity. It wasn't just like a temp agency. Mm-hmm. Um, my first job was in skilled trades recruitment in Cambridge, Ontario, which is heavy industrial. Um, so that was a really interesting experience because, you know, at a young age, I learned in a professional, professional context, you know, really what sexism was and misogyny in many ways. You know, I was a, a young professional who's never, you know, worked in a factory and I was interviewing skilled trades like electricians. Mm-hmm. So I had to work really hard to, to, to learn a lot about the business. Um, I had my, uh, national HR designation, um, by, you know, I think five or six years into into my career mm-hmm. and um, I started specializing in education fairly early on. I was drawn to education. Mm-hmm. I was in the classroom teaching new hires and then I started working at BlackBerry uh, where I held um, several HR education roles um, but I did a lot of work in and around um, like new hire training and sexual misconduct. Um, I had a really neat opportunity to to learn all about AB 1825 which was at the time California's new state mandated sexual harassment training. Okay. So, so yeah, it was really interesting. And um, by the time I left BlackBerry, I was co-leading a team of 18 instructional designers. Mm-hmm. And um, and then actually when they were doing layoffs, I decided to take an optional layoff package. I did some traveling and um, then I came back and uh, started my first business, Grattan Consulting, where I've spent the past seven years doing HR consulting and education, a lot of instructional design, um, working with companies to um, create onboarding model models and education and um, like instructional design in, in every single way possible. Nice. So you had your own HR company essentially prior yeah. to high values, but what made you interested in working in the cannabis space then? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, like, um, despite the fact that in high school, I, I was a bit of a stoner. Um, I, I actually stopped smoking in high school. You know, I, had a, I actually had a bong named Buttercup. <laughs> a bong named Buttercup. <laughs> I did. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, I stopped smoking it because I found that um, I picked the wrong strains or, well, I guess you didn't really have much choice back then. You just got what you got. got what you got, yeah. Yeah, um, and I didn't really like that every now and then it would just be too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, back in 2016, there were a couple of really interesting things happening in HR. Um, so specifically, mental health was becoming um, a more widely discussed topic. Um, cannabis was, you know, it was already uh, legally uh, illegal from a medical perspective, but um, it was, you know, starting to become more widely discussed. 
And then also, um, Bill C-16 was being introduced to add um, human rights protections on, on the face of um, gender identity and gender expression. Right. So yeah, that was uh, those were a few things that I was really interested in uh, at that time. And then you know, at BlackBerry, um, I was doing some sexual misconduct training. But I found that you know, over the the past seven years in my own practice, um, that type of training was was less wasn't requested as often. And when it was requested, it had a big like just compliance focus. So while compliance is necessary, um, it was a little bit uninspiring, and you know, there was no there was no fun work being done. in in that um, topic. Um, You know, that's (laughs) fun and sexual harassment don't usually go hand in hand. But from the education (laughs) perspective, as somebody who's really passionate about our human rights code (laughs) and education, yeah. (laughs) So anyways, I I was planning on going in this direction, but then in 2017, I had a a significant accident where I shattered my tibia. Oh, man. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, It was a cycling accident. Um, I was in the hospital for two months. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to learn to walk again. And um, at that time, I didn't have a medical authorization. Um, So I was, of course, on uh, opiates. And I was having a really hard time with it, um, like mentally speaking. Like it was really, really difficult for me to process. Okay. Um, So it was my goal, basically, as soon as I left the hospital to get my medical authorization, like ASAP. Right. So I did that. And then I, um, you know, somehow became involved in, like I joined SheCan, which is a a Facebook cannabis patient community. Mm -hmm. And I just started interacting with other patients. And at that time, I I still had um, cognitive I had cognitive impairment from the anesthetic, from multiple surgeries, and Jeez. from the medication. Okay. Yeah, it was really, really difficult, especially, you know, as a highly motivated HR person. Um, it just wasn't where I expected I'd be at that time of my life. Right. So I was taking part in the community, and then um, the uh, leadership team there asked me to, to join them and do some moderation. So I actually ended up starting doing some moderation and as well some HR and education um, things. And um, that experience was really interesting because I was able to use my advocacy to help other people, which really helped to like push me along and get me back into my own like work game. And from a learning perspective, I found it really interesting because like the rate at which people were learning in SheCan was something that like many companies spent a lot of money on the education front to like replicate that experience. Right. So yeah, that had a really big impact on me. And then, you know, I started doing some work with cannabis at work, um, delivering some cannabis in the workplace type training. I delivered some of my own as well. I spoke at my first conference the other week. So, so yeah, that's kind of been my my progress. Nice. Um, leading well, up to high values. <laughs> makes perfect sense chronologically uh, and logically. Um, so you've started a company called High Values. So what exactly is High Values? So High Values is an HR education company. We believe that cannabis companies have a competitive business case for creating a culture that's diverse, inclusive, and safe. Mm -hmm. And we see education playing um, a key role in achieving that. So when I say education, I mean using like adult principles, best practice, instructional design practices. We offer cannabis companies scalable education based Mm -hmm. on their size and their needs. 
And we educate on initiatives such as sexual misconduct, anti-discrimination, gender equality, and, and related topics. Right. Uh, we also, my background is in, um, does have a heavy influence on employee onboarding. So okay. really, you know, once they're in the company, um, it's really about taking care of them, celebrating um, everyone's successes, and, and really creating like a positive work environment. Nice. And I, I read on your website, yeah. it says that uh, you guys are driven by human rights-based values. Now, in your I guess, experience or your perspective, are you seeing that that is not happening in the cannabis space right now? So, I mean, I think that we have a really unique opportunity in Canada with the cannabis workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's happening in cannabis on the scale is really unprecedented, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the industry has a history of being fought for, um, you know, rights by activists and um, advocates and patients. And to be honest with you, that's what really attracted me to the industry. And um, so I just kind of assumed that, I'd be stepping into probably the most inclusive industry, um, especially if you think about, you know, some of the early progress coming out of the gay community in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I just kind of thought it would be a little bit different. So um, I have seen a lot of inclusion mm-hmm. in our industry, but I also see a lot of opportunity. There are really some mixed experiences. There's a lot of really, really great and progressive people in the space, but there's also a lot of progressive people who are staying away from this the space. Right. Um, so I've seen some uh, some alarming trends. Some of them on social media. Actually, a lot of them on social media. Um, and now we're starting to hear more about um, harassment complaints that weren't investigated in the past, and um, you know they're really not being fully dealt with now. So yeah, I think that uh, there is some opportunity to to focus on on people. Okay, so I read somewhere that you referred to, and uh, bear with me as I try to say this correctly, uh, non-heteronormative gender equality. Um, What exactly does that mean? So, okay, so from like a typical workplace, maybe the non-cannabis workplace in my Mm -hmm. experience, I totally find that there's a big patriarchal system in place. So, for example, in my experience, you know, when I was working in an office environment prior to having my own business, I'd have a lot of, you know, pretty horrifying conversations with colleagues over the years. And I say colleagues because, I mean, I think in in, in many companies, uh, there's a big influence on the patriarchy, just like the leadership, um, like point of views and, and the way things happen in the workplace. But I bring up colleagues because I really believe that each person brings their own perspective with them to to work every day and so I've had a lot of conversations over the years about you know like when am I going to get married when am I going to have children and it kind of feels like if you don't fit this like heterosexual stereotype that you're either going to be like a lonely cat lady it's just really kind of strange Mm -hmm. Um, the cannabis space is pretty different in my opinion in a lot of ways it brings together a lot of people from different cultures and different belief systems mm-hmm. um, which I think is is pretty neat but there are you know a lot of different events that are are labeled women weed different uh, Instagram accounts mm-hmm. and um, in some regards there there are some groups that are doing really great work around gender equality yeah. but there is a big perspective a big percentage story that I see that Really, the marketing um, and the, the dialogue around gender equality is, is again, really um, heterosexual, and they're, we're leaving a demographic out. And then on top of that, just the, the role that women are playing in the industry is 
quite frankly, un, unsustainable. You know, as a person who who lives with um, uh, a mood disorder myself, there are times where the, there, well, there is an expectation that, you know, you're working like probably more than you ever have in your life. So if you're living with, you know, some kind of invisible illness or um, fluctuating energy levels, uh, a, a, a mental illness, then you're already a serious disadvantage. So women are really put in a position in the industry to to have to put in way too much. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. Okay. Um, you wrote an article called Becoming an Ally in the Cannabis Space, which I thought was great, by the way. Um, and in it, you said that strong policy protects both the company and employees, That which obviously makes makes perfect sense. But are you finding that in the cannabis space, a lot of the companies that are maybe startups or, or pretty young uh, do not have a lot of policies in place at the moment? Is that quite common? Well, it's hard for me to to say because I'm just I just started high values recently. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's my guess that um, and in some conversations that I've had, um, I understand that as companies very quickly are are pulling together their business, um, they may be looking for just like a quick thing to put in there, you know, because the law says they need to have a policy. So I've, right. I've heard a bit of that. So my comment around strong policy protecting both um, company employees. It actually comes from um, a bit of the work that I do in workplace impairment. And so when I talk about policy, I often hear, well, what about safety? Or, you know, I've had comments like, well, our our, our clients are are not really as focused on human rights. They want to protect their business. So this conversation can take place with workplace impairment or sexual harassment policy, any policy. But the point is, is that really, you know, to, to advocate for human rights, doesn't take away from safety. They have to coexist. You know, if, if we're honoring somebody's human rights, it doesn't mean that employees are running around like wild savages at work. And it also doesn't mean from a harassment perspective that, um, you know, we're advocating for things like false accusations. We just don't assume that to be the case. Right. So um, strong policy really protects um, all the interests. Are you finding that from your perspective, high values is, is working now in the cannabis space. Um, does your pr- approach have to be different uh, with the cannabis space than it might be in other areas or is it similar? Yeah, I think so. So going back to the um, the article, Becoming an Ally, yeah. I don't know, like I kind of, I kind of found that I really need to like bring it down a few thousand levels right. um, just to, to really break down the concept of like what is an ally and, you know, what are some really basic concepts, like going back to like heteronormative standards, mm. um, I am finding that like not everybody understands that if somebody says, you know, I don't identify as a woman, like what that means. But these are topics that a lot of other industries are very well versed in. And uh, I'm not necessarily finding that to be the, the case online. Right. Uh, sorry, on, not online, in the cannabis space. I say online um, because a lot of my observations are coming from social media. And another thing I've, I've just been seeing is things like, you know, comments, that, oh, I was at the Lyft conference. And um, I had some really great conversations with some some strong leaders who are women. And that to me seems like a very basic thing that we're talking about having conversations with the opposite sex. So, right. so yeah, I'm approaching it really differently in the in the cannabis space, kind of bringing it down. And then the goal is to to you know start at some of these introductory con- 
mindset and on the education front, like compliance things, because that's really important. But then um, working up to the next level, which would be strategy. And then from there, um, the goal is what, again, I'm referring to as human focused values. Nice. Well, you're, you're talking a lot about um, policy advocacy uh, within companies um, on the other end of the spectrum. What about job seekers, people who are trying to get into cannabis? Would you have any uh, advice for them from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, my advice is a little different because uh, while I have a background in recruitment, you know, High Values isn't focusing on recruitment. Right. But I would say that if you are brand new to many fields, say, um, and you're, you want to start out in uh, cannabis, to try a lot of different things to figure out what it is that you excel in. There's a lot of different opportunities available. Mm -hmm. And then if you're mid-career or have a very specific goal, I would say two things, like be um, Mm open-minded and also listen to your intuition. So, you know, I ended up saying yes to a lot of things that maybe didn't uh, look like other things I'd worked on in the past, which is okay. But uh, despite the um, advice I've heard a lot to like say yes to everything, right. um, I actually said no to a lot of things because my gut would be like, you know what, this isn't going to get me to where my goal is. So right. Although I really need to do something right now, um, I'm not sure that I think I might be spinning my wheels a little bit too much in the wrong direction. So I would say, yeah, listen to your your intuition and, and it's okay to say no if it doesn't seem like a strong fit. Yeah, it's easy advice. Seven habits of highly effective people. I think the uh, one of the premises was uh, know how to say no to things that don't matter. <laughs> I suppose identify yeah, exactly. things that are important and that are not. Um, now, you had mentioned that you have become a medicinal cannabis patient. So I'm going to ask you a question at a left field here. Not exactly about high values, sure. but do you have any thoughts on speculation about the medical cannabis system being absolved now that um, recreational is legal? Yeah, so that's been a really interesting thing that I keep reading about and hearing about in different places. Mm-hmm. And um, to be honest with you, I find it really puzzling um, from a workplace perspective. Um, companies across the country are busy polishing up their policies to ensure that their employees are using licit cannabis that's medically authorized. You know, recreational cannabis is, for the most part, you know, being prohibited in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So when I hear this conversation, I'm just outright confused because I'm not quite sure where that model would leave um, employees who have medical authorization to medicate at work. Right. Like if you're not allowed to use recreational cannabis at work, then I, I don't know. I just don't really see companies across Canada embracing this like, oh, okay, yeah, there's no medical system. Okay, no no problem. Just use it as you see fit. I, I really just don't see that happening. Yeah, of, so, of course. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about that part of it, though. Uh-huh. Buddy, yeah, we'll have to watch and see how it rolls out. I suppose. Um, what kind of companies is High Values then looking to do business with? That, this sounds kind of silly, but any and all companies. Okay. So going back to the fact that we're working on a scalable model, um, you know, our, our strategy is really to start at, uh, well, first identify, work with a client to identify what what they have in place, what their needs are, um, and that really starts at a compliance level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and then working when they have the compliance in place, um, working through like what strategies do you need in place to keep your, your, your people who you value in the door, um, and then 
then and then moving on from there. So when I say scalable, I mean that if you have um, a small company of like three to five employees or 10, then we can still work with that size company. Um, now, having said that, on the opposite side of things, if there's an organization that is, is much larger, I personally have a, a background in, in corporate education. So it's pretty easy for this to be uh, fit for either small or large companies. So we're, uh, we're ready to, to partner with uh, any and all cannabis companies. Nice. Any final thoughts, anything that we've missed uh, going over as it pertains to, I guess, HR in the cannabis space, uh, policy, recruiting, anything like that? Yeah, so I really wanted to talk a little bit about the business case around what we're doing because I think it's really relevant. So um, there's a few things that I'm observing in the cannabis industry. One uh, right now, well, overall in Canada, um, as of December, um, unemployment in Canada is at an all-time low. So I believe it was at like 5.6%. And, you know, just last week, I I read an article about, you know, the the cannabis industry is starved for workers. And then on top of that, we're, we're looking at now talking about like global recruitment in, in the cannabis field. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that these are three really important things. Um, I was actually listening to uh, one of your cohort uh, shows, the Canada Pot Talks um, mm-hmm. show. Right. Uh, so Brinder was on and, and David Purcell uh, came on afterwards. Right. And I mean, Brinder was talking about uh, millennials um, choosing cannabis because it's socially responsible. Right. Um, and, you know, David was talking about how the industry is creating all these new jobs. So when you put all these things together that, you know, we're, we're creating lots of new jobs, people are choosing cannabis because it's socially responsible um, and unemployment is an all-time low. This means that employees have a choice right Right now. Okay. So when we're talking about social responsibility, I think it's really important to remember that um, everybody, like all of our stakeholders are looking at social responsibility and how you treat your employees is a very big indicator. So if, you're, if your company is not um, investigating sexual harassment or is excluding you know, certain demographics in the workplace, then um, I suspect that uh, that is not seen as socially responsible. So like patients want social responsibility, advocates want it, employees want it, and our consumers want it. So there's a really strong business case for, for companies to uh, to partner with a, a company like High Values. Hey, Aaron, you know what? This has been <laughs> extremely informative. You are the first person that I think I've interviewed that is proposing to do the type of thing that uh, High Values is setting out to do in the cannabis space. So I'm grateful for Amazing. the information. Thanks for chatting with me. It's been a great time. Thank you so much. Okay. Take thanks. care. Hey guys, a small revision on my end. I just want to confirm Erin's contact information. If you want to email her, you can do that at hi, H-I-G-H, at highvalueshr.com. If you want to catch her on Instagram or Twitter, check out at highvalueshr. That's H-I-G-H, values, H-R. And you can check out her website, which is highvalueshr.com. Thanks once again for listening to the Canadian Cannabis Update podcast. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, I would love to hear from you. Hit me up at canadiancannabisupdate at gmail.com or my website, cannabisupdate.ca. And if you want to find out more about Canadian Cannabis Update and all of the other podcasts in the Cannabis Media Collective, check us out on Twitter at CanMedCall, just like Cannabis Media Collective, but abbreviated. And you can also find out more about us on Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast-related streaming site in the known universe. Check us out, the Cannabis Media Collective. All right, hit it, Ember. The media contributors within the Cannabis Media Collective 
do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for any inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself.